Now, I wonder whether you uh, get Christmas cards like these. I suspect that some of us won't. Uh, we, we come from countries and cultures that uh, don't celebrate, celebrate Christmas. But even for those of us that do, the hike in the cost of stamps and the cost of living crisis, the current wave of strikes, and the ease of sending newsletters by emails these days, I suspect has reduced the number of Christmas cards that we receive. But a few have arrived through my letterbox, and this year, as usual, there are a good number of uh, uh, snowmen or robins or nice family portraits of those who sent me the card. Only a few have something about Jesus, whose birth we are celebrating. And even those that do have something about Jesus don't always have, they aren't always helpful. So you get those kind of uh, reproductions of great uh, masters where the stable looks like a 13th century holiday cottage. The baby Jesus appears at least nine months old. Very round and chubby. Mary looks like she's just had a stroll rather than given birth. And Joseph seems completely unperturbed that all these strangers have turned up bearing gifts. And then on top of it all, there is a whole zoo of fluffy cows, donkeys and sheep surrounded in a kind of unreal otherworldly glow. There's also a collection of golden dinner plates behind uh, people's heads. Uh, the paintings may be lovely, but the impression given is that, well, this is just a medieval myth. I don't know uh, uh, anyone who looks or acts like that, do you? Uh, what is more, it's, it's about the birth of a baby. Now, I love small babies. I get very excited when new babies are, are born. I love kind of uh, stealing babies and having a cuddle with them. But it has to be said, I don't get too excited by babies that were born a long time ago. And the baby whose birth we're celebrating next Sunday was born 2,000 years ago. Uh, what relevance does that have for people living in multicultural London in the 21st century. Well, those readings we've had from Luke's Gospel explain the relevance. So do please pick it up, will you? And turn to chapter 2 on page 6 in, the, the, in those green uh, Gospels. Luke is a historian. Actually, he sets out his credentials in the opening verses of his Gospel. And it's interesting, actually, that secular historians with no Christian acts to grind readily acknowledge that where they can check up on details, Luke has proved himself to be reliable again and again and again. Luke assures us that what he is writing about is not myth or legend, but historical fact. These events took place during the reign of Caesar Augustus, while a chap called Quirinius was governor of Syria. And what is striking is that Luke isn't at all interested in Jesus' actual birth. Now, there's no description of the baby or anything like that. He simply says, while they were there, the time came 
for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. Luke couldn't be more matter of fact about it, could he? Now, his interest lies in what this birth means, which is why he goes on straight away to tell us in much greater length about the angels appearing to the shepherds. Verse 8, And there were shepherds living out in fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. Well, they would be, wouldn't they? Please forget the images we have of, um, of white men with golden hair and wings. The word angel simply means messenger. An angel is a messenger from God, and this messenger, who comes in spectacular, glowing glory, surrounds the shepherds with that same glory. Do not be afraid, because I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. If you thought of Christianity as something which is boring and irrelevant, friends, then you can't have understood it, because it is good news of great joy. And we need good news of great joy these days. If you thought of Christianity as something which is fine for other people, but not for me, then again, you can't have understood it, because it's good news of great joy for all people. And what is this good news of great joy which is for all people about? Well, the angel goes on to tell the shepherds, today, in the town of David, a saviour, a rescuer, has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Christ, the Lord. The good news is about an amazing rescue. I wonder, have any of you been rescued? My brother, one summer, was cutting the grass with his electric lawnmower. He went to pull the uh, flex from the machine when the plastic casing came away in his hands and he found himself clasping the live wires. The shock was so great that he dislocated his shoulder backwards and he was unable to let go of the wires or shout out for help. There he was, writhing, helpless, in silent agony on the ground. And within a few minutes, he would have died. However, it just so happened that his wife was passing the kitchen door and saw him on the ground writhing. She (laughs) rushed over to him, pulled the wires away. She actually got an electric shock herself by doing that, but she pulled the wires from his hand, and he was saved. I can tell you, that was a day of great joy for my family. My brother was facing certain death, and he was rescued. Well, our predicament might not seem quite so urgent as my brother's, But friends, it is 
Truth is, it is no less serious. In fact, it's more serious. The Bible makes it clear that we are all by nature in big trouble with God. Because all of us, however we show it, have a bad attitude to the God who made this world. We don't want God telling us how to run our lives. And so effectively, we all in different ways say to God, push off and leave me alone. And we can't expect to treat God that way and get away with it. See, God is not like some weak school teacher or corrupt judge. He is the holy living creator. And he will punish all such rebellion. What I'm describing is what the Bible calls sin. Now, sin is not just the stuff that fills the tabloid newspapers. It's about our attitude to God. Imagine a man who uh, uh, owns uh, his uh, business, and he has two junior directors working for him. One day, the the boss says, look, I'm off to uh, the States for two months, and I'd like you to, to run the company for me while I'm away. I will keep in touch with you by email and text, and I want you to keep me posted on how things are going. So off he goes to the States. And uh, whilst he's away, the two junior directors behave very differently. One of them rolls in to work late uh, every morning. Sometimes he's already drunk. He harasses colleagues. He makes fraudulent claims on his his expenses. And it's obvious to everyone that he's an absolute disgrace and that he's letting the, the, the company and his boss down. But the other director is quite different. He dresses smartly. He rides on time. From appearances, everybody thinks that he's a charming chap and doing a good job. He treats his colleagues with respect. He even gives them a a bonus at Christmas. But what nobody realizes is is that he has never read any of his boss's emails nor responded to his texts. He makes no effort to keep in contact with his boss. Actually, when it comes to his boss, his attitude is just like the other junior partner. He's operating the business for his own benefit. The two men behave very differently, don't they? But actually, their attitude to the managing director is the same. And friends, that's how it is with us. Some of us may know that we have lived in a disgraceful way and have failed and have offended God in many ways. Others of us look fine on the outside. We may even go to church. But we've similarly treated God badly. We've not loved him with all of our heart, with all of our mind, with all of our soul, with all of our strength. But the good news of great joy, which is for all the people, is that a Savior has been born. He is Christ the Lord See, Jesus was born to deal with the problem of our sin, of our guilt before a holy God. He was born to be our saviour, our rescuer. Matthew, in his gospel, records how Joseph was told, you are to give him the name Jesus, 
Why? Because he will save his people from their sin. And Jesus achieved that great rescue 33 years later as he hung on a Roman cross outside the city walls of Jerusalem. Because what happened as Jesus died on the cross is that he was taking the rap. He was bearing the punishment for your and my sin. And friends, for those who know that they have treated God badly, this is the most wonderful news. Shepherds in our day usually get um, good press. They're kind of good, solid, dependable folk. Actually, you notice that the film uh, makers today make positive documentaries. There's been quite a lot about shepherds uh, on the box recently. But at the time of Jesus, they were considered irreligious rogues. The sort of people who would never darken the doors of a church and would never would have no desire to do so either. And it's to these people whom God makes this great announcement. Today, in the town of David, a saviour has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord, and this will be the sign to you. You will find the baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. See, this is the most extraordinary news. We have treated the God who made this world with utter indifference. We human beings actually have wrecked the wonderful world he made. But instead of destroying us, God sends his eternal son to be born as a woman so that he might grow up and die on a cross for us. No wonder then that the angel is suddenly joined by a whole army of other messengers who praise God saying, glory to God in the highest and on peace to those on whom his favor rests. The, the spiritual beings that live with God cannot contain their wonder and their joy at what God is doing for us human beings. And friends, can I just ask, what is your response to this? Now, if you're a skeptic or are very confused about the Christian message, I hope that your response will be that of the shepherds. They said, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. See what they did? The shepherds did something about it. They checked out the angel's message. See, the Christian invitation is always, it's come and see. Come and see, have a look. It's never, by the way, put your brain to one side, shut your eyes and believe. So if you haven't already done so, please, can I really encourage you to take this Luke's Gospel home, if you've never read it as an adult, and read it from cover to cover. It's not that long. And as you do so, ask yourself these two questions. First question is, what's this telling me about Jesus? Second question, what's this telling me about human nature? Right? There's a good, 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 just read it, just with those two questions in your mind. You might also, if you're wanting to explore things further, is to join our three-week course called Hope Explored, which meets here, literally, in this building, 
on Monday evening starting in, on the 9th of January. And you can find out more details about that on our website. And all the details are actually on the inside cover of your service program. But there will be many of us who have heard and investigated. And in doing so, we have met in a real but spiritual way the risen Lord Jesus Christ for ourselves. And our response is also to be like the shepherds. Because after they'd gone into town and seen that what what had been told them was true, they just couldn't keep the good news to themselves. They had to tell other people about it. And they went on their way glorifying God. See, if you have come to know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, friends, whatever you do this Christmas and New Year, will you please keep him at the center of it? And by your enthusiasm for him and your trust in and obedience to him, will you glorify the God who literally loved you to death? Let's just bow our heads for a prayer as we remain seated. Lord Jesus Christ, by your Holy Spirit, please reveal more of yourself to us. Open our eyes and our hearts to the wonder of your love and goodness and your desire to save us so that we can know the creator of this universe as our Heavenly Father. For we ask this in your precious name. Amen.